Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Let's um, transition. Wow, what a gift, man. I don't even know that I could uh, preach. I was uh, shocked to see all my family here. And uh, John Ben turned 13 years old, and we're super proud of him. He turned 13 on Thursday. And uh, so he's a teenager. He is a bass fisherman. He's just an elite angler in every category, whether it's on the salt water or fresh water, he can do it. And um, we're so thankful for God's gifting him to us. And um, so if you celebrate him. So <laughs> if I've ever been surprised, I'm surprised. You know, how can you not reach back and help someone that helped you? It was when I was a teenager that Chris Poston was an executive pastor of a man. You talking about a fast-growing church. He was, I know it didn't happen overnight, but looking back, it seems like it happened overnight. And he was an executive pastor, and I knew God had called me to preach. I was full of zeal lacked hardly any wisdom and uh, I would go and spend my lunch hour sitting in his office and he would always leave the door open for me he was never too busy and he would always listen if you you know that I don't have the gift of listening I have the gift of talking we could all probably testify to that but Chris possesses the gift of listening and he would always just listen and then he would give counsel and Rod Parsley back then was my hero and I knew that Chris graduated from the school of the spirit he graduated from World Harvest Bible College and I said if Rod Parsley deemed that man and graduate he graduated there laid hands on him then God must say must be something amazing about his life and like many of us you know we got to understand that what you and I are on is a journey. It's a marathon. See, sometimes we make it about the destination, holding the promise, but we forget it's about the journey. It's the every day that God is teaching and training us, just the way I train my children. That every day that God is teaching, He's training us, He's revealing more of Himself to us, and we're just getting deeper into His heart, and He's getting deeper into our heart. And sometimes like you that I'm a visionary person and so sometimes when a visionary person they see things so clearly especially those that are gifted with with uh, the gift of uh, like a seer prophet they see so clearly but yet they may be seeing something 10 years down the road 15 years down the road 20 years down the road 50 years down the road 100 years down the road and we get so frustrated like God why are you not moving because first of all we've got to figure out God's not a western American God He's not a fast food dude. Come on, somebody. He's a crock pot, and he gives illustrations of the farmer. He's all about tending the seed and how we're faithful with the little. We'll be trusted into much. Everything that God is handing us little by little, but what we possess, how many knows the acorn has the ability to grow into an amazing oak tree? And I remember one night being in Baxley, Georgia. Chris, he knows my life uh, in great detail. 
Um, as good as my family, knows my spiritual life a little better than that. And, um, and I was just discouraged this one night. And I remember thinking, man, I don't even know if what I'm doing is real anymore. And I was in Baxley, Georgia. Me and Catherine went to a meeting over there, and we were just hanging out in the back of that meeting, and I was called out. How many knows that God's always faithful to speak to you when you need him to speak? Come on, somebody. He'll give you a word of encouragement. He always drops the nugget when he knows you're about to cave. And that word of encouragement, you remember? I'm going to tell you two times. I'm just going off the cuff here, okay? And um, so I was sitting there, and I was called out. And the... And I received a prophet, prophecy that night. And this is basically the, the, the deal of it. I know what you're going through. How many knows that God knows what you're going through? Sometimes that's all you need to hear. I know what you're going through. Now, I don't believe any prophecy. prophecy. I heard Bill Hammond teaching one time. He said he heard this lady prophesy. He said, I know it's been rough. I know it's been hard. But hear me say of God, I'm barely making it myself. God's never nearly making it. Making it. Come on, somebody. That's prophesying from where you're at. God never prophesies to where you're at. He always prophesies to where you're going. Come on, somebody. That's why you know like we can gasp if a true prophet of God is in the house and he prophesies over somebody wicked and he calls them great destiny out and here the church gasps and think he misses it. God never calls them to where they're at. He always calls them to their potential. Come on, somebody. He's giving you words of hope and encouragement, calling you to come up higher. And so that night God said, I will make you a mighty oak in the region. And there will be many that will live under your shade. And I've, I've lived I've, I've, as a mighty oak. I mean, my, I'm not even a sapling. How many knows God's not prophesying to me in my 20s? He's talking about a, a day of maturity that I have the ability to become a mighty oak in the region that many will become under our shade. And so that, and I remember back to this pulpit. God told me my first book would be titled My Father's Pulpit A Pathway to Your Inheritance See orphans never receive an inheritance Only sons receive an inheritance I stand here today because I lived a life of sonship I might not have lived it perfect But I have lived my entire life of trying to become a son And sons receive the inheritance Orphans will never receive anything based on inheritance. They will spend the rest of their life trying to obtain something that could have been given to them through inheritance. And in 2007, we had planted our first church in 2006. And I was standing in that place and God reminded me, I was praying, I would pray through my lunch hour and God God asked me, he said, where are you at? I said, I'm at the church. And it was, a, it was a storefront. God specifically told me to go to this particular building. Actually, the building I was going to first, I brought Pastor Dale to look at it. And he said, son, there's no windows in this building. People are going to thank you, Jehovah's Witness. You got to go. And it was all brick. You know, he said, you need to go somewhere else. So I went back and I prayed some more. And I called him and I said, I'm telling you, I believe I've heard from the Lord. I'm to go to this particular building. And Chris knows the journey on that. The lady that owned that building had buried her husband in December. And this is, this is right after the first of the year that I'm going to plant a church. And I took my lunch hour and I went to her house and I knocked on her door. And at, at lunchtime, she was still in her house coat. She might have weighed 90 pounds soaking wet with that house coat wet. She was ate up with depression. She had just lost her husband. 
And when she opened the door, I said, I don't know if you know who I am. And she did recognize me. She said, you're John the preacher. And immediately I, I just pointed. If someone had been riding by, I would have thought I was trying to hijack the house. I pointed my finger at her. The power of God was on me. I said, I'm here to plant a church in this city. And God said, I was to have your building. The power of God hit her like a lightning bolt, knocked her down in the, floor, in the threshold of her house. God totally wiped that depression off of her, didn't she? God set her free. She became a worship. She came on the worship team and began to sing the praises of God. God gave us a building, just did amazing things. And so I'm standing in that building in 2007 through my lunch hour, and I'm praying and I'm seeking God. And, um, and the Lord asked me, he says, where are you at? I said, I'm in the church. I'm in the church. I'm, in, I'm at the church. He asked me again. I've learned to know that when God asks you a question, he's not looking for an answer. He's looking for you to realize where you're at. When he asked Adam, it was not because he lost where he was at. Come on, somebody. God was wanting him to recognize where he was at. And so um, I, I felt like the Lord was at. So I said, God, I'm in, I'm in delay. I called her name. I said, I'm in her building. God asked me again, what building you're in? And I realized that they had built this building in our city in the, in the 80s, and it was called the Sear. It was a Sears building. But I wasn't talking about S-E-A-R-S. God was speaking to me about S-E-E-R-S. Come on now. It was in the 80s that God began to restore the prophetic back into the church. And I knew that I was on prophetic destiny by going into that church. And then I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, he, he, he told me this. He said, I'm going to give you your father's pulpit. At this time, my mom's here. My sisters are here. Uh, we planted the church in um, May, what, May 6th. 2006, I think it was. The first funeral I preached was my father. He was 52 years old. And it was, uh, I preached his funeral on, I think it was August the 2nd of uh, 2000, 2006. Chris, Chris preached for me the Sunday morning. I lost my dad in the wee hours of Sunday morning of pancreatic cancer. Chris preached for me that morning. And so one of the things that I told my dad is I knew that his health was depleting and um I'd always known my dad as a beast. My dad was about 220, 230 at times. He's never, he never had the belly that I've had. But he was thick, man. He was just, he was a horse. I remember when I was a little boy, he used to always do his arms like that. And he'd have on a white t-shirt and I'd always grab his biceps. He was just a man. And, um, and I knew his health was fleeting. And I said, Dad, I said that my dad was a carpenter. He was a finishing man. He did the inside of the houses. And I said, Dad, I said, I really need you to build me a pulpit. And um, so he's like, we'll build it. We'll build it. Well, he had a place at the river, and he got to feeling good. That's probably where John Bentley gets his passion for fishing. Dad forgot all about the pulpit, and he went fishing. And when, when he, he wanted to load his truck up, you remember this, Mom? He put all kind of stuff in his truck, and I knew I had a divine knowing. Even though I was praying, even though I was believing God, I'd seen God heal. I knew that my dad was never coming back to that house alive. He was going to the river and he was going to meet his maker. And that's exactly what happened. He never did. So I remember coming home that day from work and I told Catherine, I said, God said that my dad has built me a pulpit. Well, I said, God said that my dad built me a pulpit. And I said, I don't have it yet. But I said, God said, I'm going to have it. Well, she said, John, she said, how, how are you going to get the pulpit? I said, I don't know. I said, I believe God can FedEx something from heaven if he needs to. Come on, y'all. I'm just telling you stories about my own personal life. When we were in Jessup and we needed some help on something, I had enough money. Uh, Lord, God has blessed us tremendously. Those that know my life, man, me and this woman's come from nothing. And we had enough money to build something. I had enough money for the, for the material. 
but I didn't have no money for the labor. And my dad was a carpenter. He could do anything. When I would go, when I was a little boy, I'd go to people's houses. They have something terrible. I said, my dad can fix anything, man. From a, And I asked him, I said, Dad, how did you learn how to do all this stuff? He said, I never could afford to pay nobody to do it. I had to learn. How many knows that necessity is the mother of all invention? And so, um, <laughs> Lord, help me right here. So I needed some help. And my uncle, I wasn't going to call him. And I was like, man, I really, I really, I really need some help building this. You know what I'm saying? Catherine wanted it done. We had the money. We just couldn't afford, we just couldn't afford to pay for the material and labor. Steve knows me well. I can afford to pay for the material, can't okay, Steve? I just can't buy the labor. Till this, till this day. So, so I called my uncle. And he said, it's wild that you called me, John. He said, because I had a dream last week. And he said, in the dream, I was behind on a job. And I knew I wouldn't make the deadline. Steve knows all about this. When you put something under contract and you said that you're going to finish it on, on April the 3rd, every date that you go past that right there is taking money out of your own pocket. And he said, in the dream, your father came. And he said, he put on his tool belt. And he said, we went to work together and we immediately caught back up. And I asked him, and he said, I asked your dad, he said, John, my dad's name was John. They called me Little John. That's just because my dad was named John, okay? There's never been nothing little about my life. And um, so he said, John, how much do I owe you? He said, you don't owe me nothing. He said, but I need a favor from you. He said, John needs some help. And if you want to pay me, he said, will you promise me you'll help John get what he needs done? God from heaven. Come on, y'all. You got to understand, man, God cares about every detail of your life. God from heaven jumped in my uncle's sleep and said, you got to get over there and help him. And he used my daddy to talk to him. You with me? So I told Captain, I said, I don't know. I said, God can FedEx the pulpit to us. All I know is he built it. Well, it took me about two weeks of praying to realize into this where the pulpit was. Then I came home. Remember, I came home and I said, I said, Catherine, I said, Daddy has already built the pulpit. It's in a church two miles from where we're at. Remember this, man. So I'll never forget the day that I was going to quit the ministry. I've been going to quit the ministry at least 20 times. This day was for real. And I drove two hours to quit the ministry. I drove all the way to Pastor Dale's office in 2010. And I was done. I had rehearsed my story like the prodigal son of what I was going to say to the father when I got there that I was done with the ministry. I'm tired of people. As most people said, ministry would be fun if it wasn't for people. And I was quitting. We made plenty of money at this time. I, I didn't need no ministry thing. And so... We had agreed that it was best we leave the ministry. So I go to Pastor Dale's office. He knows I'm discouraged. He knows I'm extremely discouraged. And, and I had already told him, let me, let me just speed this up. In around 2008, I got brave enough to tell Pastor Dale of where the pulpit was. And he looked at me and he said, John, I've seen God do amazing things in you. He said, but this, this, he said, that's out there now. He said, I'm not saying it's not the Lord, but it's out there. See, it was so far-fetched that even he didn't believe it at the moment. But let me tell you something. My family had sown into this ministry. 
to where this pulpit was set. God, I'm just telling you, man, this thing's bigger than what we can even realize. And so, then, you know what? Pastor Dale started believing. I remember when they put the palm trees, Chris, out front of the, of the building. He come by and he called me. He said, hey, they put you some nice 30-foot palm trees down there, son. You know what I'm saying? Then he began to talk about it. So listen to this, I'm done with the ministry, I'm frustrated, just like we all get, we all get a frustration. If I could tell you anything, I feel like this morning that God wants to do with that, that we've got to learn how to let the past go and, and not be frustrated anymore. We are not in a season where we can tote frustration and grumbling and complaining into this season right here. The grumbling and complaining, according to 1 Corinthians 10, as an example that they lived, the children of Israel, whenever they were wandering in the wilderness, that grumbling and complaining kept them from the promises of God. So we've got to change the language even though we've been hurt even though we've been broken even though we've been disappointed we need to ask God to help us to let go of that disappointment and to brace where we're at right now this is a prophetic sign I'm telling you that has taken me since 2007 to get my hands on it but by God's grace and mercy it stands here today as a prophetic symbol that everything that God said is true So people get some, I've got people say, man, you know, we just need to quit talking about the past. The past has never been the past to me. I've been like Joshua and Caleb. Every story I remember sitting with Austin Young in that chair over right over there in that building last year and just a few months ago up in this upper room. That's right. And I told him, I said, Austin, everything God said is 100% real. It's just as real today as it was when Bob Shadows with the gold in this. It is real, friend, I'm telling you. And God is waiting on a group of people to let go of that disappointment the grumbling and complaining and get their feet in the Jordan to cross it and possess the land. So, so, um, so we were, I was quitting. I put drive up at Southland, get out, got my story rehearsed about how God is telling me that I'm, I'm called into the business world. I need to let go of the mic. And so I walk in the office, and right the time I come in the office, he holds his hand up. He says, don't say a word. He said, I don't care how bad discouraged you are. I don't care what all you going through. I'm telling you, I got something that's fixing to change everything. Well, I'm like, what in the world? He pulls this small manila envelope out, and it's a letter. He said, you're never going to believe who called me. And I said, Who? The pastor where his pulpit was set. He said, I was in the Philippines and I was praying about transitioning my ministry that I knew that God was calling me to transition this ministry. And he said that God brought me, my name, to him. He said he told God this. He said, God, he's not the man that I would choose. God spoke back to him and said, but he's the man that I chose. Man, how many knows many are called, but few are chosen? So there it is now in this man's handwriting and in ink. So I, man, how many knows that every bit of discouragement leaving the ministry, that was far off the 
It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Come on, somebody. Not your father beating you with a belt. Come on, somebody. Not your father putting an angry hand saying, I can't believe you were discouraged. Come on now. It's the goodness of God. He reminded me of the promise. Boy, hey, I'm still, I know it's been a few years, but I've not forgot what I told you in 07. Here's a nugget for it. I get back in the truck, man, I'm telling you, you can't put the smile. I'm telling you. I'm driving back trying not to get a speeding ticket where I can get back to tell Catherine. And I tell her, I said, you ain't going to believe this. Got the manila envelope. Well, what do you think happened? Just like Joseph in the prison, remember when he interpreted a dream, he tells the guy, he said, hey, when you get back before the king tomorrow, please remember me. Next scripture, two full years before he ever remembered Joseph. Two full years. Come on now. How many knows that Joseph probably says, I should have never interpreted that dream for him. Come on. He should have been, I should have told him instead of he going to restore the cup back to the king, I should have told him just what was happening to the man with the basket of bread on his head. You know what I'm saying? He going to get eaten by the birds too. Two full years. What I'm learning is God is growing us in the process. What does it matter if you get there and you're unqualified to reign over what you built? So, so we get another call. Here's one more call in this. We get another call, and the call is this, that they want me to open up a service for, they were, they were going to do this conference. It was open up a service. Well, I was nervous about this. I knew the guy was all over TBN, and I was going to have to open up for him. Chris will remember this. The first time we bought, brought Pastor Jensen Franklin in, someone didn't change the batteries in the mic. You remember this? And the mic fell. I'm, I'm 20 years old. And they called me out in a packed auditorium and make me testify, like old school. In, you know, remember the old school in church? We called somebody, won't you give a testimony? I did the best I could. I mean, I punted it about 20 yards, you know what I'm saying, helping buy some time. And so... So when, uh, so I get this call, and that's what I tell Matt. I said, Matt, if, if this is real, if this is really real, and God is saying this, I said, when, when, when they hand me the mic, I said, the power of God will hit the church like a lightning bolt. I said, if this is God, we're going to take this as a sign. I know the Bible says we move by His voice, but how many know some of you, we still pray for a sign? You know what I'm saying? They're going through the motion. They led to worship. I come forward. They hand me the microphone. I touch this pulpit. This is in 2010 or 2010. This is 11 years ago. I put my hands on this pulpit to address that congregation, and the power of God hits that whole church. The old bishop that they had in there got up and come over there to me and he said, he said, son, he said, I don't know who you are, but he said, you need to be preaching in this conference is what he said. And I told Matt, I said, there it is. The last time that I, I was able to sit down was in 2012. And I sat down in a business in Waycross, Georgia, discussing the transition of this ministry. Well, I grew up in 2013. I knew when I rolled into January of 2013 that God was telling me that my time was up in that city. We met with our leaders, uh, the whole Presbyterian team, Pastor Dale, uh, all, all of the leaders that I had around me at that time. And one of the things that we prayed for three days and we felt like God had closed the window in that city. 
And he said, I feel like God has closed the window in that city. And I'm not saying there's nothing about, I'm not, I'm not going to stand up here and say that it's about me. But I can tell you this, since we left out of that city, the business has, has, has dried up and, and it's like the drain has just went down the drain. Am I, am I telling the people in the store? That's just where it is. The business has dried up. All of those things happen. And so, so we leave that city in 2013 and Catherine's like, you know, John, what about all the promise? What about all the promise? Now, here's the thing. Let me say this. Here's one little story that I'm leaving out. The leader knew what the pulpit meant to me. And this is what he said. He said, I, he said, I don't want to misquote this because I can't remember if there was any, it doesn't matter if there was any money involved or whatever. But I want to think he said, I tell you what, if you purchase a pulpit, whatever we want, or whatever you can have the pulpit we'll, we'll give you the pulpit if you go purchase whatever I say what God said God said I would inherit it because let me just say this I could have made by my own self already have that in my possession my other pastor that my uncle the pulpit built we've already I got that in our possession I went back and we wrote the check for that did we not man and we bought it in this over there in that other building and it's the one that was set up. And when we planted our church, my pastor put that pulpit in that church where we planted at. And they wept over that pulpit with the elders of that church and laid hands upon it. You remember that? And then that's what we started with. I still have that. And it's right over here in the room over there. We got a tarp or something over it or something like that. But it'll, it'll, it'll be there. I'm not using it, but it'll be there. If my kids start a ministry or something, at least they got some pulpits to get behind. So, I'm going to tell you the dream I had last night, and then I'm going to be done, okay? Last night, I have this dream. I have two nightmares, then I go into this dream. I don't know why I had the nightmares. I just, I mean, it was like, it was some crazy stuff going on in there. There ain't no need to talk about that. But I have this dream, and in this dream, I was invited to ride. I'm, going, I'm just going to, hey, he's watching online maybe, but his name, Jess asked me to ride to go to the post office with him. He had a single cab truck. His daughter, Jessalyn, was sitting in the middle. He said, I've got to go to the post office to pick up some packages. Will you go with me? And I said, yes. As we go to the post office, we turn the truck around and we back up. But it's not like the post office that you see here. It would almost be like a, like a Mayberry town. You know what I'm saying? And there was a, wooding front, there was a wood front porch onto the post office. And as we go inside, I don't see nobody there. I see no one in in the in the in the post office, and I'm like, man, is, is this place open? I mean, is there, there whatever's going on in here? And so finally, I seen someone, and they were sitting behind a desk, and they had no shirt on. And when I saw him have no shirt on, immediately I got angered in the dream, and I looked at him sternly, and I said, "You're a federal employee, and you sat here with no shirt on." And then he kind of jawed back in the dream. And I said, and I looked at him and I pointed my finger and I said, I'll throw you in that pond. That's what I said in the dream. That, those that know me personally, God's helped me a lot. Has he not helped me a lot, Mom? He's helped me a lot. I've come a long ways. It's a true story right here to show you how God's grace and mercy use anybody. You remember the day that we was all at your house and we got, out of all the arguments we could, we got in an argument, a knockdown fight nearly about it over what we was going to eat. 
Because Connie wanted Chinese and I wanted something from Carter's. I, I wanted some fried chicken. So we get in a fight. And me and Connie's husband, Scotty, almost got, I mean, in a fist fight. And I'm staying at my mom's because I'm preaching the following morning in her church. And we fighting over there. So, man, I go in there and I, I turn on that song. You remember that song, Draw Me Close to You? I lay it all down again. I'm crying, weeping in my old prayer room at my mom and dad's house. Weeping, crying. Catherine's crying. I can't believe this, John. You know what I'm saying? And so I call, go up to preach at my mom's church and my whole family shows up. And I look at Connie. She's laughing about it. Always forgive So, I mean, who would have known that? We stood up and tell the congregation, pastor and his family got in a fight yesterday. That's why they're all cut up and stuff, you know. But he's going to preach today and tell us about the love of Jesus. Man. So I tell this guy, I'll throw you in the pond. Jess is not carrying in the conversation. Then I look out the window that I said I was going to throw him out into the pond that I said I was going to throw him into. I see three Labrador Retrievers. They're all tied, linked together. The ropes have them bound together, and they're playing in the water. Then the door pops open. There's two older men appear in the dream. Both of them have field garb on like they've been in a plantation shooting quail or either duck hunting. I knew that they had been hunting birds. And one of the gentlemen turned to look at me, and it was Rick Joyner in the dream. And Rick said this. He said, I love this area. It is full of game. And I patted him on the back. Then Jess looked at me and he said, I've got the packages, let's go. And so as we walk out the door, I don't see no packages and he pulls out, which is, which is Jess, I mean, welts all over him. He pulls out bricks of money and I knew that he had $18,000. 18 is the number for provision. I'm telling you right now, we're about to walk in the supernatural provision of heaven. Those that believe it, I'm telling you right now, we ain't about to cross Jordan we have as a church. I'm telling you right now, with the dream I had in this pulpit right now, ain't nobody going to tell me no different where I'm standing. It don't matter what you see with your eyes or whatever, I'm just telling you what God is saying. And So what do, you, what do you believe you're saying? First of all, I believe God is a play on words with the post office. It's time for people that are called to your office to get at your post. We can't wait another decade or another three years. You say, well, if God, if I get this much right here, then I'll get at my post. you got to get at your post now. It was David who run to Jerusalem before he was ever king of Jerusalem. Come on, somebody, and he called that place the city of David. It was inhabited by the Jebusites. It was inhabited by all these people. But yet David moved into that place and began to call it like it was, even though it wasn't. Come on, somebody. So I feel like God is speaking to me about the post office. I feel like God's showing me also in the dream when it comes to this house that there's about to be a linkage of the leadership that has not been in a long time. The dogs, the Labradors, first of all, they were gathering the game that Rick Jonah the prophet and then was shooting down. Come on, somebody. The Labradors are retrievers. This is what retrieves from the things of heaven and brings it down and deposit it into the body. God says, I am going to release a linkage and a connection of the leadership that has not been here and, and, and I'm telling you in a decade God is going to do that starting right now true unity of the brethren true unity of the brethren 
So I feel like the Lord saying that. And the other thing I feel like God is saying about this region, Rick Joyner is a seer prophet, and he was talking about, I love this region. I love the game in this region. There is something I'm telling you. I know it sounds crazy. There is something from Macon down all the way into northern Florida that God is wanting to do in this region. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just telling you that I believe it is highlighted on heaven's map, and that's the reason that Rick was saying. He's reminding us again. Now, let me say this. This is how I'm going to close. I think that where we've got to become is we cannot despise prophecy. Even though we have heard the prophetic they've and they've run us like the, I mean, around the corner, around the corner, over that hill, it's the next bend. No, it's the, I didn't see it. It's the right bend, and we have become weary. We've become weary because we haven't seen it. But suddenly this morning, I woke up this morning only with a promise in my heart, not knowing nothing. When my sister walked in, I'm like, what are you doing here? And then when my mom come, you know what I'm saying? I was like, wow. And I just sent Catherine a text. I said, you know what? I said, I know they're here for John Ben's birthday. But I said, you surprised me more than he'll be surprised. You know what I'm saying? And then I never saw Chris in this building until he touched the mic. And I'm telling you, that is a sign, church. Listen to me. My dreams is real. The words that God said since I was 19 years old is real and the words over this region is real and Rick Joyner showed up in the dream and he was saying son there's a lot of game in this region we're drawn to this region we're leaving from Fort Mill coming down to your region because there's some great hunting in this region and I believe that Jess was in the dream that God was said this listen what we have failed to do is we want to recognize those of notoriety we're in a season where God is changing the guards the generals are shifting man the generals are shifting the generals is shifting and God is about to highlight the people in the backwoods that have not been known that have never been seen on TV I heard Rod say years ago that the most faithful men in America is not the one you see on TV he's with the back country with 50 people Kenneth Copeland said this is the year of the local church and God is going to highlight the local ministries and it's time that hey we get it all together we say God I don't understand it but I'm telling you this we got to honor the gifts in this house I told Cleve this morning I got a call last night of a significant gift that's coming to this house it's more than most people would take up in ties in a year but I knew the reason what released it. And I told Cleve this, God told me to help a leader the other day that I was to sow into his family so that they would have a great vacation. That's always been my heart. That's always my heart as a leader. We released that money. Hadn't even cut the check yet, but it was already released in my heart. Release that money, get a call, this comes in the house. And I told him this, I said, as long as we take care of God's people, we will never lack a day in this house. Come on, church. As long as we take care of the vision that God is building, don't get in the book of Haggai what he said. The reason why that bag had holes in it, he said, you've sown, you've worked, and it's just run right through it. The reason why I said, you're building your own panel houses and you forgot my houses. But if we build the vision that God is saying, not John's vision, not Clay's vision, not Steve's vision, but God's vision, he'll make sure there's plenty of wealth in this house. He'll make sure there's plenty in your house. Because there's no way that you can be hooked to the soul. There's no way that you can be hooked to the soul and hooked to the head that it does not come upon you. Come on. 
If Chris would hold the microphone and tell you the things that God has supernaturally done for him over the past year. He goes back and he tells a story what he had when he didn't have no money. You remember this? And the pastor needed something. You took your last $300 and gave it to the pastor. Is it, was it 300 or was it three grand? Which one? Huh? 3,000. Jesus, you got that today. I need it. No, I'm playing. <laughs> huh? But we were sitting there talking about what God had done for him. And I said, buddy, God's gave you that 3,000. Because after he seen and walked through what he walked through, he said, you know what, man? How dumb was I to put that three grand? in there how dumb man I mean my family needed that I sacrificed the own needs of my family to make sure that it happened but buddy God reached down and put that press down shaking up multiplying and running over him when he dumped it back on him they wasn't no three grand they wasn't no th 30 grand they wasn't no 300 grand God gave him above that come on y'all all we gotta take care is the vision that God's saying do so I just wanna bless you this morning and say listen here God's not forgot about his promise Rick Jonah's saying, he's game in that area. There's a lot of stuff in that region. We love to hunt. We love to hunt. Let me just say this too. I'm not sure why I got onto that federal employee. You know, Dayon's got some connections. She can correct any, I mean, you know what I'm saying, if we own our dream stuff. But one of the things I know is he didn't have a shirt on. That means he wasn't covered. He was trying to sit in an office that God had never deemed him to sit in. But the real walked into that room to identify what was in this region. Father, I bless your people today. Whatever's in your heart to build. Whatever's in your heart, whatever God's been put in your heart that's been years that has been in there. There's a letter I still have that my mom wrote me when I was 21 years old. And it challenges me to this day. You tell the people I'm lying. I would get up at 5 a.m. and I would turn Linda Cooley on the spirit of the sovereign God. I would play it every day of my life for the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach I'd say God anoint me when nobody was looking I would cry out and on my first trip overseas my mom penned this letter and she said I would be lying to tell you if I wasn't scared about the call on your life she said, but I hear you crying out. Even at night and early in the morning, I hear your cries. And I know that God's going to use you mightily. If there's one thing that I can say today, I need God to restore the cry. But church, he hasn't forgot us. And he hasn't forgot you. He doesn't overlook us. So Lord, I pray today that you would give us, you give us nuggets all the time. 
I had no idea. But if it's 40 years before I see my father again, God gave me the bonus of his handprints on the bottom of that pulpit and I can touch him. And I've done my best to honor everything that was here. When I called you that day, I said, where's daddy's tool belt? And you said, I got it. And you said, what do you want it for? I said, because I'm going to give it away. She said, well, you ain't getting it. Because before I gave you the jacket, I wanted to put my own father's tool belt on. Church, he loves us. He's with us. Oh, God, I pray your blessings over these people this morning. God, let them don't leave and say, man, Pastor John got a pulpit that was promised to him in 07. Let them leave today saying, God, if you can do that for Pastor John, it's only a matter of time for what I'm believing for shows up in my life. You take this as a sign, church, and you go, I'm telling you, you tell that lying voice, say, listen, if you showed up close enough to Sparks this morning to get Pastor John, I'm in that place and I'm in that soul. It's a matter of time before it hits me. And I'm here to tell you that everything God promised, whether it be a spouse, whether it be finances, I don't care where you're at, God will do what he'll do. If God promised you a child, God's going to give the child. Will he do it, Miss Cindy? It don't matter what you got to go through. Miscarriage. What did Pastor Dale say? All I know is God said, you will have a daughter, and God said that's what he said, and if he said it, that's exactly what he'll do. Well, if you look set between them today, there's a beautiful daughter right there that God said. When the enemy tried to take, 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 but God says, no, I will do it. God will do it, friend. I'm telling you this morning. So stand up and let's pray. We got to take the offering up too because Steve don't need sufficient money next week. I forgot that. You know I'm a real preacher, boy, if I don't forget the offering. Because I'm going to give mine. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Catherine, I don't know where we're going to put this in our house, love. Because, I mean, we need, Lord knows we packed out in that thing. Maybe we take it to the cabin. I don't know. You know where it's supposed to go. Because you can't preach out there every Sunday. I don't know why he built it so pretty like this, but I'm rustic, you know. You know, Chris, when I left that city, White Rothwell called me. He hadn't called me in nine months. And he said, I'll, he said I'm going to, you know how White would do you back then? He said, I'm going to hit record on this conversation. I said, okay. He said, God says when you left with no honor, but God says don't look back, don't loan back, but God says you will return to that city. And he said, where you left with no honor, God says you will come back with honor. There's a reason why God's rallying the men like Chris, rallying the troops. They all been out of our life for like Tombstone, where he said, well, there she goes, out of our life forever. But she came back. I am, when I tell you I got the people praying in Brunswick, this is her. They pray. 
She's been a tremendous blessing to me and Catherine throughout the years. Father, we love you today. We thank you. We love you with our whole heart, Father. God, I ask you to bless this offering up. I think I can do this. I think I can do this today, and I think there ain't nobody going to hold nothing against me. If anybody's mad, I write the check out of my checkbook. You know, my sister lost her husband Christmas of last year. And it's, Terry, you only know the journey. Chrissy, the ones that's been there. It's been rough. She came with her friend, Marie. Marie, you lose you, you lost your husband. You know what they were sitting in my office saying before this? We were talking about vacations. She said, I told him to go somewhere. She said, well, John, my sister, she said, John, I ain't got your money now. We got to go somewhere where we, where we where that's a night. We got to go for the whole weekend. How many other widows we got in this? If there, there's a widow woman in this room, raise your hand. You ain't ashamed of it. Right in the back. All right. All right. I tell you what, how about today? Everything is given in this offering right here. We cut the check right here to, to bless them. You don't do that? You know what's a blessing of the, of, the, of the financial blessing on this house to not to have to need an offering to make it the next week. That's a blessing right there. You believe that? So how about this? Because I told them where to go, that they don't have to worry about what they're going to go on March the 27th or for the weekend. They just go do it up. You know what I'm saying? Now, don't do it. If you're going to do it real big, call me now, okay? I mean, I'm getting there. <laughs> Y'all ready? See how much this is going to help you to give right here. So everything you're doing, we're doing this right here. We talk about religion. Paul told Timothy, there is a pure religion, and that is to take care of the widows and the orphans. You with me? So we just want to bless them today as a token to say, listen here, God knows right where you're at, okay? God knows right where you're at. Now, I'm talking about you're a widow, you have no husband, you own your own. And here now, if you're remarried and all that, you're with me. So, Father, we bless you today. We thank you for the opportunity to give and to sow into an unshakable kingdom. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, of just to be able to be an example and, and to, to, be, to be able to be a blessing and to sow into people's lives. And so, Father, we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you will, give God a great God bless you. Bring your gift gift this morning and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.